the Neon Confidential Podcast. Is this thing on? <laughs> Welcome back to the Neon Confidential Podcast. This next guest has probably one of the most interesting jobs in Las Vegas, one that really embodies our number one import-export business in the city, which is, of course, nightlife. Brent Freed is the executive director of entertainment at Resorts World and holds the distinction of being one of the youngest entertainment executives in all of Las Vegas. His impressive portfolio includes top DJs and artists like Tiesto, Zed, DJ Snake, Cascade, Calvin Harris, Post Malone, Travis Scott, Machine Gun Kelly, and Miley Freakin' Cyrus. He's been instrumental in talent management for Resorts World Las Vegas and Zoop's global venues not only here in Las Vegas, but also in Singapore and Malaysia. And he also handles Singapore's largest dance music festival, the Zook Out Festival. If you think you work long or crazy hours, wait until you hear this guy's schedule, working with some of the top nightlife DJs and professionals in the world. He's also tasked with securing lineups and leading the overall entertainment strategy for both Zook Tokyo and Zook Los Angeles' highly anticipated grand openings. Under Brent's leadership, Zook Las Vegas has attracted over a million guests annually since its 2021 opening, and he secured more than 100 residency and one-off performance deals, surpassing market competitors by 40% in terms of talent diversity and emerging talent. This kid is impressive to say the least. With that, please welcome Brent Freed to the Neon Confidential podcast. Okay, first of all, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Brent Freed, we, you have to have had such an interesting career path to become the executive director of entertainment for Resorts World Las Vegas, which is the newest hotel property on the Las Vegas Strip. And you're 28 years old, right? Yeah. Uh, I, you have to be one of the youngest entertainment industry executives in Las Vegas. Is that right? Yeah. Well, first off, thank you for inviting me today. And Grateful to be here, grateful to be working and living in Las Vegas, entertainment capital of the world. And yeah, I mean, it's stories, it's, it's quite special. I had an amazing mentor who brought me out here six years ago to Las Vegas. Uh, we, were, we were working on another property at the time and he really believed in me and let me see kind of what it was like at his level. He was an executive. Can you uh, say who it is? Yeah, there's a gentleman named Ron Nicoli. Oh, yeah, of course. Very well known in Las Vegas. For sure. Entertainment business. One of the most creative people I know. And uh, he just, you know, we had a crazy first meeting together. And ever since then, we've had a, a bond that is really special. What was crazy about the meeting? We we were supposed to meet at 10 p.m. at night, which that's kind of an odd time. Super don't live odd. in Las Vegas. It's my first day in Las Vegas. And that meeting got pushed to midnight. It's on a Saturday night. This is a kind of a strange time to meet somebody at a restaurant. <laughs> and, um, you know, we, we ended up meeting up at midnight and we talked for like three hours. I think you always hear great stories when you meet somebody, you talk with them for that long. You don't realize how much time has flown by. It's usually a good start to the relationship. Totally. And we just talked a lot about like what I was working on in college. I was really focused on promoting my own concerts, tying it into charity events and, um, I was asking a lot of questions about Vegas, learning the market, and it was a high-level conversation the moment we met each other, and I think we both enjoyed that. Then take us back to the beginning. I'm sure there's people listening who are either new to Vegas um, or they're interested in nightlife. It's such a, an elusive kind of industry. People see these amazing DJs who are on stage, and they just have no idea how it is that that happened, and this DJ's in front of you know thousands of people in a, in a mega club. Um, and I feel like nightlife is our city's largest, like what, like import and export <laughs> yeah. and a city that never sleeps. So tell us how this all started for you. Like, where did you come from before this? I started the music in the, in the business really in college. I had no understanding that I wanted to be in this business until uh, I got involved in a fraternity philanthropy uh, group essentially and so wait where did you go to college though i went to uc berkeley oh, northern cool. california mm -hmm. so i um i grew up in south florida and i knew i wanted to go to college in in california um and and so i applied to a few schools and berkeley took me in i was forever grateful went over there no expectation no idea what i wanted to do and i didn't find what i wanted to do in the classroom i actually found it in my fraternity 
getting involved in the philanthropy. And it all started with traditionally all the fraternities on my campus were doing sporting related events once a year to raise money. And I came up with the idea, let's do something in the arts. So we did a singing competition and it's a fraternity of big guys. Singing. 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 Oh my God. Like, you know, uh, from R&B, hip hop, rappers were competing. We were looking for the best singers on the campus. And we had this whole competition uh, all semester long. And we were we ended up raising five, six times more than any other fraternity. Not that it's a competition, but it showed that it was really unique. To like, and people are interested in that is yeah. what that and we demonstrates. Were finding, no, we were finding engineers, the students that were engineering students and they were coming and auditioning. You know, we were finding the most interesting stories, and it's, it, it, it was definitely a spark for me that I wanted to be in the world of finding great talent pretty early on. Have you? Do you know who Teddy Swims is? Yes. I know that you do. So listen, this story reminds me of, because I didn't know who he was, but all of a sudden he did this thing on TikTok, and now it's viral. I know yeah. you know what I'm talking about, but for everyone listening, um, Teddy Swims has, first of all, the voice of an angel. Like Absolutely. he he belts out these tunes and you feel like you just want to cry when you're listening to him because it really touches you. So he does this thing where he is singing this one of his hit songs and then he stops and then he does an open verse, right? And I remember seeing that he did that and I thought, I really hope people participate. But not only have people participated, it's like taken off and all these just random people, some of them that do have singing careers, some of them that don't, maybe that have been embarrassed to sing, but they just start belting out over this open verse and it's going viral. And yeah. I think he's on like the third or fourth round of posting it, but that kind of sounds like what you did in your college. Yeah. So much similarity is why I was familiar. And uh, that's just like that. That's what's cool is it's, it's what I like that he's doing is it's finding the people out there that aren't maybe so front facing about their skill set that they might have or this talent. And, uh, and Vegas is an amazing place to showcase. That's right. And that kind of is always how it goes. I feel like karaoke bars are definitely a thing here. Yeah. You know, like everyone, crazy. everyone knows all the karaoke bars. There's champagnes. What is the one? Now, I, of course, I can't name any of them. But I feel like the point is that when you're there and someone gets on stage that maybe like was, you know, sitting by themselves or. Yeah. And they just start belting something out. Everyone kind of stops and they're like. Well, damn, we didn't know you were like packing that heat. <laughs> it's it's amazing. I mean, we see it on a national level on TV, mm -hmm. but it's really great to see it on a local level at, at your local bar or karaoke room. Um, I, that's what got me excited about the business is like not knowing that one of your good friends or the classmates that sits next to you in um, you know biology class has this incredible talent. And for me, that that that's what gets me really excited about the industry. So, how many people entered? So we had like the first year, because we ended up doing this three years um, while I was there. The first year was like 500 different applicants. Wow. And it, it, it was crazy. Like we really, we really didn't know what to expect. And I remember by the second year, we were getting close to a thousand. And the third year, we ended up having over a thousand applications. And every contestant would fill out a survey, submit a video, and then we would invite about the top 20% of them to come do an in-person uh, in-person audition where we would invite some industry uh, executives, some musicians in, in, in the community to come help evaluate who would be that finalist. And the finalists every year, they got to perform in front of 2,000 college students at our big theater and do more of like a live competition. And we had some pretty big guest judges, you know, first couple of years we had Sean Kingston. Wow. Um, yeah, we had uh, record label executives. That that's what was the key was we were we were taking this to to the next level. And so when you are selecting these people, like how is it raising money? I guess we raised money through a couple outlets. The first was the actual final show that took place in the theater. We were able to get all the donations in place so that all the ticket proceeds were going to the Boys and Girls Club of Oakland, which is the community that was pretty much the closest to Berkeley. And. So that was great because we were selling tickets. The contestants were obviously excited, the finalists. So they were selling tickets and all those proceeds were going right to Boys and Girls Clubs. And we did a whole presentation at the end of um, the competition where we donated. We did the giant check and we made the donation. And um, I look back and it is like it was really incredible to see how many people believed in the vision early on to give us the ability to make this such an impactful event. 
Yeah. And then so you're able to see, too, at that point, how music can do good for people and make people feel better. And yeah. so that, that was that your springboard kind of like what were you going to school for before that? I started as, as no major. And that was great about Berkeley. You didn't have to come in with the major. Interesting. And the, the part that's wild is going into my senior year, I still had no major. And I was just taking what? all different classes. And I, 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 did, I did realize I wanted to graduate after four years. So I kind of buckled down, met with a few different deans. And I found a major, um, it was called American Studies, where it was really curated. And it was exactly what I was looking for, where I, I got to use the combination of all the different classes and uh, make, that, make that what I focused on. And then from Berkeley, how did you wind up in Las Vegas sitting with Ron Nicoli having an interview at midnight? So it's crazy, <laughs> but we're talking about this singing competition that ended up being such a big part of my life. Um, I, as I mentioned, I reached out to all different industry executives to come judge. We weren't just looking for record labels and artist managers. We were getting creative and we started thinking Las Vegas, entertainment capital. Let's Google. Let's find if there's people on LinkedIn that have a profession in Las Vegas that would make sense. And we come across, I came across Ron Nicoli on LinkedIn, actually. Uh, at that time, he was the executive director of marketing at, at, at Wynn. And I was like, wow, amazing property, amazing marketing. This guy would know what it's like to, to know how to market in the entertainment business. Reached out on LinkedIn, got a message back within the next day, really warm, really welcoming, and um, kind of just began a relationship that way. And the funny thing was, he was actually supposed to judge one of the competitions. Um, and then like last minute, like a couple of days before, he uh, he backed out. But we, huh. we still kept the Brutal. relationship. <laughs> um, and well, who would have ever guessed? The, I think he's the only judge that ever backed out uh, and up being the... Uh, the the person that 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 competition ended up making me the closest with uh and yeah what a good way and for him to to scout talent like you kind of just fell in his lap right like what an innovative way like you you guys are trying to put on this very innovative way to raise money and a singing competition that has directly to do with entertainment like of course you know he would want to meet with you about a job so after that did you reach back to him and say you know even though you stiffed us <laughs> <laughs> well, we stayed in touch and we were planning a little uh, like celebration trip after graduating college the week after some of my buddies and I had to come to Vegas. So all my friends went to another club and I reached out to Ron leading up to that trip and to see if we could meet up. We were supposed to meet up, like I said, earlier in the night and kept getting delayed. So I forego going to the club that the rest of the group went to, which is the best decision I could have made, because <laughs> um, I got to meet Ron that night, and it was so worth the wait. Um, and he made time for me. Didn't really know me that well, uh, but he, he made time for me. And uh, it's something that I truly like hope that one day I can be known like Ron is for listening, taking meetings, getting to know people. He's so good about that. And, and mentor mentorship is such a lost art. And I've said that and a few times, actually, I was just having this conversation, interesting for people who are listening, who are like in the marketing side of things. But there was uh, this young girl and I didn't know how old she was, but in this meeting, and this is like my second time ever meeting with her, she got really a defensive attitude. And she was like, I'm, I've been doing this for years. And when people normally do that, you know, yeah, because there's no reason for her to kind of say those things. And I was talking to the CEO of the company later um, because she unfortunately was let go. Uh, she, that had kind of been like a, a pattern for her. And I thought, God, there was such a mentorship opportunity, like for her even, you know, speaking to me, like I would have loved to kind of take her under my wing. And it is a lost art because I know what that's like too. Like the reason why I got my start is because I had an excellent mentor too. So um, I think it's interesting hearing from people who, you know, attribute their success to somebody else because that's a real thing. It's not luck. It's just, you know, really the the care and thought. And like you mentioned, like patience of somebody just caring enough to kind of take you under their wing, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and so R Resorts World just opened for everyone who's listening, like in 2021. Yeah. Uh, and I know that because we, you know, represent a multitude of restaurant groups that are um, on the property but what was it like opening up such a big property in Las Vegas? And I guess first I should say, when you met with Ron, was he at the win? 
Yeah. Okay. So that was back in 2017. Aha. Uh-huh. Uh, I'll never forget. In summer, it's like 120 degrees. I had never really been to Vegas since I was a kid, so I didn't. <laughs> the know city's what that like was. when people first come here in the summer. I'm like, welcome. Like you're just yeah. gonna be very, very sweaty. But yeah. Anyway. And even at midnight, it's still over 100 degrees. But yeah, I met him in 2017 when he was working over at the Wynn. And that's where that relationship started. But to answer your question about Resorts World, mm-hmm. what a special opportunity. And I'm forever grateful. I think what what really made me like want to be a part of the property was driving by it um, since 2017, seeing the construction and knowing that it was such a significant moment to be a part of the first resort to open up in over 10 years on the strip. That's right. Like, I think a lot of people, because here in Vegas, our culture is, I mean, it's kind of like this everywhere in the U.S., especially if you've ever traveled to Europe, where it's just awe-inspiring because there's all this old stuff. Here, if it's old, we blow it up. Yeah. (laughs) And we just start over from scratch. But it's very rare that a property is built from the ground up like that. And like you said, it had been over a decade since there'd been a resort that was built, you know, new. So, well, exactly. And and having driven by it, it was right across the street from the wind. So I had seen the building under construction and I had so much interest in whatever the project was. And I'll never forget when uh, when Ron had early conversations with Resorts World. I was excited because I was really rooting for him to get the opportunity at Resorts World because uh, I knew that that I wanted to be a part of a new project. And you knew he wasn't going to leave you behind. <laughs> I've been very grateful, uh, I've, but I've also worked hard to make sure he doesn't want to leave me behind. I think that's the key. But you know what? Like any good leader would love for their, you know, their support team to say something like that. Truly, like you want to, you want someone in your corner that says something like that. Like I'm gonna, I'm gonna follow you wherever you go. I'm gonna make sure you don't want to leave me behind wherever you end up. So what was that like? You know, he let you know he was going to Resorts World. What did that look like? I'll tell you, like, timeline, this is happening in March of 2020. So as you can imagine, Oof. this is a really crazy time where there's so much uncertainty. Um, I was actually in a position where I didn't have a job at that point. And, um, yeah, he, he kind of informed me real real quietly about a project that he was looking to take on. He also was in a position where he, he wasn't necessarily employed at that time either. And he started talking about the project and I heard about the role. It was an elevator role that he was looking to take on. And I was excited. I was excited because I knew there was so much opportunity for him there. And the property would be so lucky to have him because I, I, I would argue like I got to see him work at a, the closest level you could as someone's assistant because I was his assistant for a couple of years. And I knew that uh, this, this was going to be a special thing. And also describe, like, if we can just take a quick little segue here. I mean, obviously, COVID hit the nation, the world super hard. But in Vegas, I think it was a lot easier to see it up close. Like, I don't know if you got a chance to walk or, like, ride a bike down the strip. I was actually living on the strip uh, in one of the buildings. So I um, I did experience, and it was quite a, a weird feeling to see all the lights turned off all the people gone the windows are boarded up and that's the other thing the the people to me was the most eerie part because at any point in time especially if you're going to a casino property on the strip there are people swarmed everywhere on the streets inside you know everywhere everywhere you turn you there's people and then it was just like you could hear a pin drop yeah i mean and then people talk about now how grateful they are this is something that ron preaches to the whole team at resorts world and and I, I do the same. I mean, just gratitude at this point, seeing what this business looked like three years ago versus now. It's just amazing to see it coming back and stronger than ever. So, yeah, it was a crazy time. And we saw it firsthand. I mean, we I think most people saw the photos of the strip completely empty. It was a surreal feeling. Yeah. Being here. And so Ron tells you quietly, I think I'm, I'm doing and do this. And then did he say at that point, I'd love for you to join me or what did that look like? No, I think we just had an understanding. Got it. I would, uh, I would find my way there. And, um, he's always been really good about making sure if there's somebody he believes in, he wants the rest of the team that's working there to be on board with them too. So I went through all the normal interview processes, got to know other executives at resorts world and, um, made sure that they also want to meet there. And I think that's a really important thing that Ron does. It, it's he, he makes sure everybody wants that decision. Yeah. 
And something I feel like I would be remiss if I didn't, because we talked about what your title is, but explain to everyone who's listening what exactly is involved in the day-to-day process with your job. Overseeing the entertainment for nightlife and part of the resort is it's definitely exciting because you know, mo- most of the day, I would say, is focus on curating an entire talent lineup between the nightclub and the day club doing over 250 shows a year. We're also now programming our theater and theater has some incredible residencies with AEG. And outside of those, we're also looking or constantly putting different opportunities in the theater. Um, and then we do casino events. We do different moments like we had with Miley Cyrus. That was all run by the internal entertainment team. So I would say the, the most of the job is really curating this high volume of entertainment for the property. So I'm going to name drop a little bit because you've curated and secured exclusive multi-year residencies and performances with top DJs and artists. And I'm going to name drop. So Tiesto, Zed, Post Malone, Travis Scott, Miley Cyrus, and this is all for the Resorts World property. Uh, What does that look like from a job standpoint or an outreach standpoint? Are you the one that's approaching their talent managers to book them? Are they approaching you as a little bit of both? What does that look like? Well, I think to kick it off, Resorts World, new property, one of the key focuses was entertainment. So what a great department to be in and have an opportunity when the property was investing all these resources into its entertainment. But regarding the the question about what does the relationship look like with our artist teams, I think early on, um, Ron and myself, we really turned to all the artist teams that we had encountered over the years. And we spent a lot of time getting on Zoom since this is 2020 reaching out ourselves to the artist teams and so y'all are trying to curate this during covid yeah when no one is booking anything no one knows when the world is opening up and you guys are like hey you want to come perform at some point in time yeah i mean (laughs) we're talking about april may like really early on wow really early on and we're optimistic that the property's still going to open in summer of 2021 so we're over a year out yeah and and just to put everyone in alignment the strip shut down March 17th of 2020. So you guys were having conversations like the next month. Two to month. three weeks. We were already reaching out. We, you know, I would, I would say this is a Ron move, but Ron was so optimistic that Las Vegas would return and wanted and wanted to bring some light into what almost every person in the entertainment business was dealing with, which cancellations, right. ending agreements. And we were reaching out to people and with the pitch that, we're coming in hot in 21, summer of 21, and we want you to be a part of this property. And uh, it, it was a really different narrative that we got to share. And uh, I'm grateful that, that we got to do that. So how, what happened with the lineup? Like, so you're, you guys are approaching people. You're like, here's our timeline. We want you on board. And was it, did you find it like it was pretty easy to book people or did you guys have like a list of top 10 people that you wanted to go after? Like, what did that process look like? Being very transparent and honest. Yeah. The very first two people we were in touch with was a gentleman named Paul Morris, who represented Tiesto, and a gentleman named Lee Anderson, who represented Zed. The first people we had conversations with, the first people that took multiple Zooms with us and were the first two artists assigned to our nightclub and day club. So I I mean, that was our dream. And 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 we're really grateful that that we're we're in year three. 100 shows at this point with both artists we've it couldn't have imagined back in april of 2020 that this is where we would be right now and just to explain to everyone maybe who hasn't been to vegas because we do have listeners that are outside of vegas yeah like for someone who's never been to an ultra club like zook is at resorts world what is it look like when you're walking into that club like what kind of experience are you all wanting to create for the guest i would say that it's really unique experience because first off the club is situated inside the hotel's district which is this entertainment restaurant retail part of the property where you're you're, you feel like you're in this mega mall cool concept and then you come across the nightclub and the day club and as you're kind of waiting to get in the club, one of the features that Zook highlights is LED, a lot of LED. And it's something that really makes Zook unique. And so as you're getting closer to the club, about to come in the club, 
you start seeing the LED. There's LED on the walls, LED at the ticket counter, and then you get into the venue and you're just immersed in all this production. While Zook is focused on all the production on the nightclub side, really take you on this journey with the artist visually. Then you walk outside at the day club and it's all about greenery, stepping outside of Las Vegas. It's inspired by all different areas in Bali on the day club. And it's like the complete contrast. And I think what it's cool is like, yeah, it's an escape. It's something that really just like, you can't even believe it until you walk into these spaces to answer your question. So also for people who are listening, if you are booking the talent for the day club, is that same artist then also the one that is performing in Zook at night? So it's IU day club. Yep. And is the same artist that was at IU also performing at Zook later? Or do you guys switch it up? We try to switch it up. I and mean, most of the artists will play both venues and they'll play one week at the day club. A couple of weeks later, they'll play at the nightclub. That tends to be the case, but then we have some special things. Like we, there's certain shows that only take place at Zook. And there's certain shows that only take place at IU Day Club. And I think that it's that balance that we found. But our main objective is to put the artists that we book in both venues. And we even do a party at the pool at night. And that's a whole nother layer that we do once a month. So we just want to give the, the, the guests something different every time they come to Vegas. And some guests come here four, eight times a year. We want to make sure that there's something different each time they come to town. Is most of your work done you know, during the daytime, you're doing the contracts, you're building the relationships with the artist and management. Are you actually at the venue every single night? Don't call us crazy, but <laughs> basically we, we do both. I mean, nine to five it's traditional meetings with you know, our resort. We're meeting with our finance team, our legal team, our marketing team. We're taking those meetings Monday through Friday, nine to five, nine to six. But then the crazy part is then six, 7 p.m. at night, it's kind of a little bit of a lull. And then during the weekends, we're back in action in the club, 9 p.m. at night, all the way to 2, 3 in the morning. And then we're there on the day club on the weekends. And then the even crazier part is that part of the team is also part of our global platform. And for those that are not familiar, Zook is a global nightlife brand, you know, situated in Singapore, in Malaysia, going to be opening up in Tokyo very soon. Uh, so you handle the artist bookings for those locations as well. We do. I do. Yes. And, oh my and God. that's a that's a cool part of the job. But those meetings are like 11 p.m. at night on a Wednesday. So because the time difference, the time difference. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's that's the wild card is I'd say uh, we're we're kind of always active. And I think this is a lot of what the entertainment business is now. But particularly since we have global roles, we're, uh, we're we're on some weird phone calls at one in the morning, two in the morning and. That's, uh, you know, weird times, but, you know, business phone calls at those times. And then are you visiting those properties as well? Yep, absolutely. I, I How to, often are you over there? Try to go out once, maybe twice a year to the properties. Uh, we actually even have a festival that takes place in Singapore, and it's the longest running festival in Singapore. It's called Zook Out. And so I'll go out to that. It's at the beginning of December. And I try to make an appearance at the different venues, and I have relationships with the different marketing and talent directors on site and i talk to those individuals quite often so you're booking the talent that you book for iu and zook here you also book them at the other locations we as do well. a lot of global connections with the deals like for example with zed and tiesto they were the headliners for the zookal festival in singapore last year when we brought it back for the first time since covid but what's great about our entertainment platform is we also working with a lot of artists that maybe don't play with us in Vegas, but we can book them in Singapore or even Tokyo, which we're going to open up later this month. What is it like, or can you remember the first time that you had booked an artist and you were able, especially coming out of the lockdown, to see that artist perform in front of just a sea of people? Like, what was that like? Yeah, for you? I mean, I always had dreamed about that moment, and it was it was with Zed because he was the first artist to actually sign the contract. And it was a really big moment. Let's go, Zed. Yeah, it was a big moment. And uh, and I, I was always a fan of Zed. And uh, I remember that first show, just when his introduction started, um, I, I, I did feel that. And I knew I was going to feel it. And for a year and a half, I was preparing for that feeling. And a couple other coworkers that started with me that same day that I started, we were all there taking that moment in. And again, almost 100 shows in with the Zed partnership. I, I really do still feel that way every single time. Same with Tiesto and DJ Snake. These are 
These are day one residents that signed with us. Um, I feel that way every time I see them perform. That's incredible. And then, you know, as far as your relationships with the artist, you know, directly, are you more getting close with like their manager or is it just like, no, you guys are around each other so often because do they live here, first of all, when they have residencies? Most of the time they don't. They fly in and out. They fly in and some residents fly in 30 to 35 times a year. Are you like going to dinners with them after or? We, we, we have an amazing team on property that handles the artist relations that they'll main focus. And that's a full time job, you know, spending time with the artists. And we call this their second home. So it's important that we have that team in place. But to answer your question, like I just I, I like to spend a lot of the time with the talent managers, the agents, the lawyers are always fun to talk to when they're in town. And uh, yeah, based on how often these artists come to town, you do get to build a relationship with the actual artists themselves. And it is um, it is a bit surreal still to me because I was watching these artists at festivals growing up and to have a working relationship with them is, is, is quite special. Do you maintain, is it just working relationships or are you like friends with these guys? Like if someone, you know, found your phone, are you like texting these guys back and forth? I think it's a friendship. Yeah. I always say so. It kind of has to be, right? Yeah. Like it's the same with my girls in the office. It's like you kind of, you spend the most time or more time I should say at, with your work family than you do you know in your home life or your home family so I feel like it yeah. kind of just turns into that anyway yeah I mean I'll never forget well uh, this New Year's Eve we just had um, we had Tiesto playing in the club and for the last two and a half years there's a song that he plays it's a remix I just I, it's like it's so well done with the production I always tell him it's the best part of his set so he's playing that song it comes on it's 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 like an hour after the New Year's Eve countdown and he sees me right there next to the booth and brings me into the booth. He hands me the microphone. And it was just because I'm not the guy that's on the microphone in the nightclub and, you know, hyping up the crowd. But it was such a surreal moment. But to answer your question, there are friendships built with these artists. And it's super organic because we talk about things non-related to the music business after spending so much time seeing them every week now. Totally. Wait, so what did you say on the microphone? Oh, I just remember because it was obviously on blacked out in that situation, <laughs> blurred the moment. Because um, that's again not my not my world. Usually, I um, I just remember like yelling like "Happy New Year," and he's playing my song. You know, for two years I've been telling him. This so song. it was that moment. Like he said, "You've been telling him. You're like, this is the best part. This is my favorite song." And then when it came on going into the new year he pulled you into like both me in there you know me out of here and so i'm right there and it's i'm in i'm in my suits new year's eve it's it was uh it was a moment i feel like a lot of times too when people you know are just coming to vegas because there's always uh like an entourage i don't want to say like a ton of people that are in the dj booth with the artists but you can kind of see people and you're like who are they like how do they get back there and so who else is back there with you guys it really varies but there are some teams that it is 50 people that come with the artists. It's their friends. It's their team. Uh, what's wild is that, you know, there are some artists at that tier one level. They fly in themselves, come play the show and leave. And they bring a tour manager. And there's artists that we have on our roster that have flown in the town by themselves. Did their performances. We have a whole in-house team that runs all the production, runs every part of the experience. But the artists flew in. I'll never forget this. Tier one artist. By himself, plays the show. That's it. Didn't bring anybody else. To the team. Can you say who it was? Uh, it's, it's, <laughs> you know, I don't want to throw them in this, but it it was it was, it's a big artist, and I was quite surprised that 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 plays. You know, it's interesting. Like even there are people who we've had on the show where they'll you know their publicist sets sets this interview up, and then like they'll all come, and that's why there's couches and things here. But then most for most of the part, like people just come in and they like sit down and. And kind of do their own thing but even booking for us we have to book um you know influencers and celebrities to come dine at the restaurants and you can tell the difference like some of them request security guards to meet them at the door um which they have every right to because they're like getting swarmed or mobbed is a real thing yeah you know especially but sometimes i feel like that almost draws more attention yeah, it definitely can. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. w- otherwise, y- they could put a ball cap on and kind of keep their head down and just keep it moving. Um, and I've talked to a few celebrities about, like, tips if they do show up somewhere and they don't want security detail. Um, some of the Raiders players who are pretty re- recognizable, uh, this one player in particular said he just gets his cell phone out 
and he's not even talking to anyone. He just pretends like he is. So he yeah. just looks unavailable. Yeah, it's always a great, a great strategy. It's like putting your headphones on at the gym where you're just like, nope, yeah. you know. Um, but yeah, it's it's interesting that that not that people don't take themselves seriously, but they're that they're so humble and low key that they can just, like you said, pop in, play a show in front of thousands of people. Like, and it really is. It's a sea of people. Yeah. Uh, and everyone's singing the lyrics to the you know the song back to the artist, and and then they just leave and go to bed at night. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I gotta argue that the 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 crowd that's there. They're in Las Vegas. They're there to have the best night. They've probably been saving up for this trip. The energy is unbelievable. So yeah, then you walk out of that room. I can't even go to bed till seven in the morning. I was just energy. about to ask you that. Like, what time do you kind of wind down after a weekend like that? I try to leave the venue by three in the morning. Mm -hmm. The DJ is still going on or the performer, but it, you get home and you can't fall asleep right away because you're taking in all this energy from 11 p.m. at night till three in the morning your body's just holding on to it. And I often find myself like waiting to go to bed until five, six in the morning because it just takes time to cool off from all that energy that we're exposed to every night. Are you married or in a relationship? I am in a relationship, yeah. So what is that like? Do y'all live together or do you kind of do your own thing? Because I feel like if someone stumbled in at like six o'clock in the morning, I'd be like, I'm not doing this. <laughs> we have a good relationship. Um, we spend a lot of time together and... Uh, she actually works in the industry, so it works That's really the, well. Right. Like, I feel like you'd have to have somebody else who's also in nightlife that, like, has a similar schedule because that, honestly, I feel like that just wouldn't work if someone's getting home and then, you know, the other person has to be at the office at, like, 9 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I often hear a lot of stories. That's kind of how it works for most people in nightlife, but there's other situations, too, of course. Yeah, and I used to live also on the Strip, Um and I remember just because a lot of industry executives and people that are in the industry live on the strip because A, it's very easy to get to and it's, it's not even getting there, it's coming home, right? Because yeah. the last thing you wanna do is be in your car for 20 or 30 minutes to get home. You want like a five minute jaunt and just yeah. to go crash, just decompress. So I like a lot of times I'd be going down the elevator at like eight o'clock in the morning to start my day yeah. and there'd be people coming up like in the lobby, you can tell they hadn't been home yet. They're trying to get home and they just look crushed. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, I hope I don't look like that, but I, <laughs> that that is the situation for me. I mean, I leave work and it's a five minute walk home and that's the best walk home, go right up my building. and. But it's so different for anybody else that lives in a different city because, you know, first of all, most bars um, and clubs in other cities close at two, right? Yeah. Like that's how it goes. But here it's like, I guess that's another fun question. What time do the lights like turn on at Zook? What time are they like, all right, DJ sets over, everyone's got to get out of here. I mean, we typically are turning the lights at four, maybe 4.30. Uh, there are moments, nights, where lights are on five, 5.30. It just depends. Um, it's late nights, but then the crazier part is the venue's back open for the day club that next morning, staff's in there by 9 a.m., that the, the venue's opening two hours late. And there's got to be a team that cleans all the confetti and the spilled drinks and all that just to like turn that venue around, right? Yeah, it's a, it's a big part of our business is, is keeping that venue polished. It's such a, our venues are so beautiful, but yeah, we have in-house team that comes in there and they're there throughout the night. They're there after the show. They spend a lot of time in that venue and they keep it pristine. Yeah. What's coming up next for you, for Zook? What are you working on? Wow, what a great time to be here because we just signed our whole residency lineup for next year. Uh, we are we are like rock solid for next year. I'm excited and we'll start announcing some of those moments later this month. And then leading up around New Year's will be the rest of the lineup. So yeah, it's been, a, it's been a really good few months. We got a whole new lineup ready to go for next year. And when you say new lineup, it's like there's existing people that we can expect to see back. Yeah, it'll be a mixture of some of the residents because now we're going into our fourth season next year. This is the time where you know, a lot of people have experienced Zook and IU now that come to Vegas a couple times. And what we're going to do next year is we're going to make sure to have a very new lineup with also keeping a lot of the, you know, the hitters that people want to keep coming seeing every week. So it's the first time that we're going to have a very fresh part of our lineup that are superstars at other venues coming over to ours. And it's going to be the first time you get to see them in Zook with all this production or an IU, which is going to be a tropical environment that maybe that artist hasn't played in the market. 
And then we even have some residencies for the nightlife that it's their first time doing a Vegas residency. And that's going to be a big moment. And we have an act in particular that's, I think that one's going to surprise a lot of people when they see us announce it. That's going to be just such a crazy moment to see someone's first time you know, performing in a venue like that, like what a great opportunity too that you're giving. That's almost like full circle, right? Because yeah. you started out giving people in this singing competition at UC Berkeley this opportunity to be on stage and they've never been on stage before. And then that's going to be happening again for you in this, in this upcoming season, right? Yeah. I mean, we're talking about an artist that is headlining festivals right now and they're going to come down to a small room for 2,000, 3,000 fans every night that they play it, it's going to be a big a big one for us i'm excited when are you guys announcing since I you can't soon. tell us on the podcast but i'm i'm i really want to know who it is that one is soon and that one i think is that's a that's a big one as far as trends go do you see any like ultra clubs stopping i don't I mean, again there's new ones coming up all the time and there, there's still so many people in town that we all fill our clubs um it's competitive i'll tell you that like, it's like these board games with like, where, you know, it's like risk where you got to move the pieces, get all your pieces. It, it's, it is a crazy competitive business. And, but it's and competitive because people like you who are booking that, the talent, right? The reason why people visit these venues is not only because it's beautiful and it's in this beautiful resort. It's definitely because of the headlining talent, right? So how do you feel about that pressure being on your shoulder? That's a lot of pressure. Um, the, the pressure I feel is that we have a whole team that, you know, signs up to be at Zook and I working there, hundreds of employees committing two, three year commitments. Um, and the talent is a key part. So I take that responsibility very seriously on delivering a tier one lineup for the club every season that we open and making sure that the team is excited about what we have and so it is a fresher, but it is such a fun job and rewarding and I'm grateful for this opportunity. So and if you're 28 years old and you already accomplished this, where do you see yourself in five years? Like, do you think you're going to, this is it? This is what you're going to do? I think I want to continue to be exposed to the global platform that I'm currently in. Um, again, I, I'm, I'm working on Tokyo, Singapore. We're even opening up in LA, which is a marketplace that we'll be in next year that I, I want to learn more about. So I hope over the next five years, I just continue to be very well-versed internationally, um, which I've been doing for a year, two years now. Uh, but there's obviously so many years to learn all these international markets. That's a really good goal to have. And you're like in such a good position for that to happen. Yeah. Uh, when you're meeting with people, does anyone, does your age ever come up? Like, do, does anyone ever say like, you know, I feel like you're not experienced or you're too young for this? Does anyone, do you ever get that? Early on when we first started conversations, um, I think people were surprised that I was handling, you know, multi-million dollar deals, talking to these big talent agents. They didn't know who I was and there was like no reference of who I was because I was so new to the business. Um, but I've been, I've been lucky that ever since the beginning, people have trusted me. And what I, I always believe is like, you make these promises to these artist teams, like, everybody's connected entertainment business seems like it's the craziest connection um i just want to always make sure that people trust trust me and so the age thing luckily doesn't come up too often but it definitely surprises people at times well speaking of multi-million dollar deals too like i guess that really puts into perspective because i can't remember when or why this happened but someone's dj salary like per show got leaked or someone did the math or something um and the amount of money that these people are making, how, how can, can you speak to that? Like what it's like to be booking, you know, people like that and the amount of business that pulls in from like a nightlife perspective? Yeah, I mean, a marketplace is competitive to get these artists. So the prices are definitely, um, they're up there. Crazy is like globally, the prices are going up for these entertainers as well. But though, to really like answer the question, the kind of the, the interesting part about my job is I'm not an independent talent booker. I, it's not like I'm running my own business. I, I work for Resorts World. So we can book these flashy deals, these big residencies. But at the end of the day, I'm also sitting with the finance team, the CFO of the company, every Monday, Tuesday after the weekend to talk about the results. So it's made me much smarter about the business 
being able to also be accountable for what I book. And I'll never forget when the CFO of Resorts World told me early on that he's going to keep track of all these deals, all these pitches, all these deals I wanted to get. Um, he said he's going to keep a folder of it all. I'm not sure if he's really kept that folder, but he definitely holds me accountable and the team accountable. And I love that. I really do like that. What does that mean? Like he holds you accountable. Like you're going to pay, you have all decided with this team of people, you're going to pay this DJ X amount of dollars. And then the expectation is that the club and the people that are, that attracts obviously needs to bring in a higher return on investment, right? Yeah. I mean, you had mentioned maybe not everybody's so familiar with this business. It's not just flashy booking the big DJ and just let's say burning cash. I mean, we really do need to find a return to make this sustainable. I mean, we're going into our fourth season next year. This is quite unique for new venues. They haven't lasted this long lately. And I think a lot of that is because we're so focused on that return, but also delivering such a crazy cool lineup. And I like that pressure. And it's making me obviously a lot smarter at what I do to know that we, we can't just book the big name, but we need to make a return on it. What do you think sets Zook and IU's lineup apart from, like you said, the competition is high. Like there are so many places for people to choose from. So just for people who are listening, you know, why should they choose Zook over another nightclub that's in town? Well, we talked about it three years ago when we were concepting the lineup, that diversity was key because there were clubs that had a lot of EDM, maybe a couple token live acts, and there were clubs that had a lot of live acts, didn't really do the DJs. We have both, and I think we're really one of the first to do it in a, in a big way. We've got the biggest DJs on our lineup, but we also do shows with Post Malone, Ludacris, Travis Scott. You know, there's, there's this really great balance, and then on top of that, we also put an artist like this, Peso Pluma, that really had this massive last six months. And then all of a sudden, he's playing in Zook a couple months ago. Like That's that's where we're at. We want to show people that you could actually visit our venue all three nights of the weekend and see different kinds of performances, whether it be a Latin artist one night, hip-hop one night, and one of our big DJs. So I say that has been a huge driver. And then the other part is it really is the team. We have an incredible host team. Those are the, the, the guys out there that are selling the tables. Our production team delivers a tier one performance every single night when you walk into the venue. The marketing team, I mean, what an incredible marketing job has been done. I mean, Zook and I, you were on the map well before they even opened. So I think those are the factors that have set us up. And it really is such a different experience. These live acts that you're talking about, like Post Malone and Travis Scott, like when you see them in an auditorium, you're pretty far away, you know, unless you, they have a stage, you know, moment where there's like a pit experience. I feel like you're, you're able to get so much closer, like, especially at IU, a lot of those performers will jump down and like walk through the crowd and just yeah. get really close to you. So I feel like that is such a different experience than seeing somebody in a, in a big giant stadium, you know, it, it's, and it's even crazier that we do some of these special shows, the artists will be in town playing the arena or the stadium that same night. And it will get an opportunity at times to do their show in the club afterwards. And we'll do a 30, 45 minute performance that is so intimate. I mean, we're talking about an artist that's playing in front of 20,000 people now playing in front of 2000 people right. right there. And it's an experience. So that's that's special. Yeah, that does sum it up really well. Just the the scale of of audience members. What is personally your favorite genre of music? It's nothing that I actually book myself. Oh, um, I can't wait. To yeah, hear. I mean, I, I just really always grew up on like the Mufford and Sons, Lumineers, this like feel good kind of contemporary music that everybody seems to know the words to the songs. They don't want to admit it. And it, but I like that stuff. I saw the Lumineers and they were here. Yeah. Last they, year. They you were did. Good. They yeah. were great. They were good. That's so funny that you, your favorite genre is not really somebody that you would, you would book, but that's a good balance to have. You yeah. know what I mean? That if you're constantly around, um, something that you not that you have to do it's such a great experience but that it's almost just it balances each other out you know yeah i mean and the coolest part about where my job is going right now is now the resort has given me the platform to start putting together theater shows i had put together my first one with the country artist sam hunt uh, a few months ago it was a huge hit i went it was a huge hit yeah and it was it was a test to show the hotel that you know the nightlife guys really me and ron we could put together shows for the theater and they could translate. Um, so 
we obviously did have success with that to your point we're very grateful so we're doing more of that next year and we have some new stuff that's going to be in the theater that is kind of being curated by nightlife guys and it's going to be in the theater so we're excited about that and is that going to be announced at a different time than the Zook lineup? Like, how can how can people stay on top of artists? Because I feel like people do plan their their trips around the the entertainment aspect of it. So, how can people find out when you guys are announcing who's we, performing? We I say we do a good job of lead time. Like, we believe that no matter when when you announce the competition every night, there's going to be so much to to do. You can go to nine different showrooms seven different clubs there's a lot of opportunity to go see stuff so we try to go out as far in advance we're going to announce shows as early as two weeks from now that are nine months from now and that's our mentality is to give you as much lead time and uh, anybody who's visiting vegas or flying into vegas we tend to use our hundred thousand foot screen on our building as sort of that first tool to to show people what these shows are and then social media is so powerful our database has been incredible so, you know, we're, we're always going to announce pretty much as far out as we can. So basically stay locked into at Resorts World LV, right? Absolutely. And then where can people find you? Do you announce like when, when let's say that Resorts World LV shares across their social platforms, are you resharing that content? Yeah, I like to support. Um, I, I have amazing friends and family that will also support whatever we're announcing. So um, I'm always posting about the show and kind of the, the unique thing is my uh, my inside joke I have at the company is I say every show is sold out, which for the most part, everything is almost sold out. So uh, there's always jokes, as I always say, sold out, sold out <laughs> uh, shows. But Like that's what you're posting, that it's sold out. Sold you, out. you announce the new performance, you're like, it's sold out. <laughs> and like there'll be times where the show's down to the last like 5 to 10% of the inventory. And then the host team tell me like, why are you posting that it's sold out? But yeah. It creates urgency. It does, but the venue really does sell out because, like we said, it's intimate, so it doesn't it doesn't take a lot to to sell out these venues, um, which we were grateful that people kind of come and visit our show. I love it. Well, thank you so much for making the time to come on. This has been a fascinating uh, conversation, just about a little bit of the look of the inside to nightlife and everything. And I think I speak for you know myself and everybody that we can't wait to see what you're going to bring to to Zook and IU next. We're excited. I appreciate it. Cool. Thank you so much.